Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Goldbridge Saves Football Podcast. We've got a massive show for you today. Mayhem show, maybe. I'm absolutely furious, and not because Will's back on the show. Will, welcome back from greasing yourself up in Greece. Yeah, lovely that. Thank you very much. Uh, probably good that it's an audio number because uh, I've got no tan, and it's. I think I'm a bit paler than before, but that's enough about that. Well, I'll tell you what, it might be an audio podcast, but it needs to go viral away from audio audio because I've got some clips that need to be spoken about. I'm absolutely outraged and I'm so glad we have a podcast that is entitled Saves Football, i.e. Goldbridge Saves Football, because football needs bloody saving, Will. I'm absolutely disgusted by the mainstream yet again. Some of the Pratt pundits of the week are going to be brilliant. I mean, literal contradiction in the space of a few weeks. But I want to start off with, and yes, some people might say not again. Yes, again, it is the officiating in the Premier League. But also, not just that, it's a double whammy. The response to the absolutely disgraceful decisions that these mainstream media pundits just ignore. Are they on the gravy train, Will, when they're not talking about the outrage for Wolves against Luton? Or the outrage that Gusto got sent off and Enketia's foul isn't as bad. Oh, let's leave that. We've, we've got podcasts to do about who's the funniest guy I've ever been in the dressing room with. Or remember when Gaza did that funny thing on the pitch? Or I nearly pooed myself in another match. I'm outraged, Will. I'm absolutely outraged. The favouritism in football and the sweeping under the carpet from the mainstream pundits needs calling out, and I'm going to save football from it on this show. But who who from now? Because uh, to me, I think the the main thing is the inconsistency. But I don't think that's a bias in any different way. Like the the main thing is the inconsistency, and that's a chat we can get into later. But I don't think there's real bias either way, because otherwise we just every week there's a wrong decision, and that weekend it's right. Tin hats on. We're the one. Everyone's against us. We're not getting anything, and it's just a, a circle that we can't get out of. Mark, what I think it is is what outraged me was that and what I'm specifically talking about is two major incidents so first of all the handball that was given against Wolves on Saturday where the ball flicks up off the player's knee onto the hand and is now a penalty we know from weeks of this Premier League season and previous the ball can hit you on the hand when you're trying to block a shot and it's not a penalty but suddenly now it can flick off your knee and hit your hand and it's a penalty my point to that is not only is it the, you know, you're absolutely correct, the consistent inconsistency that we have every week in the officiating, but also the fact that because it was Wolves against Luton, let's not even discuss that. Let's not even talk about that in the mainstream. If that was Arsenal or that was Chelsea, I think there would be outrage. And I think there has to be outrage because I'm watching football now. I'm sure the same as people are watching and listening to this show. And I'm watching a football game now and an incident happens in a penalty box with a handball or a red card. And I'm going, I don't know what I'm on about. Now that's yeah. pretty normal, but we are, we want as fans, we surely, we want to know, we want to be armchair pundits. That's the great thing about football. We want to go, that's a handball. That's not. And the officiating now is so inconsistent. It, I wanted to throw up and I'm not even a Wolves fan on Saturday. Well, I I just think it ties back to just let's ban VAR because it's creating more problems than it's worth. We haven't got the resource to resource it properly. When it was at the World Cup 2018, we had the best officials in the world all in one place at the tournament. And I was in love with VAR at the time. I thought it was going to save the yeah. game that we love. And yet here we are in 2023 doing a football about a podcast about saving football. And we bring it over here and we have not got the officials. And like I've said every week, if you think we've got a crop of great talent coming from the EFL, don't hold your breath because it's absolutely stinking. You've got Big Ange in a press conference. Everyone's in love with Big Ange. I know you don't, Mark, but I'm in well, love we'll with Big Ange. We'll get on to that later. We'll get on to that later. You've got Ange in a press conference going, mate, even I don't know what's going on anymore, mate, because I don't even know the handball rule. And that's a Premier League referee. And also that's I a fantastic from impression. Yeah, that is Australia. a great Australian. Sounds that's like Stoke. Australia. I'm, I'm, I'm fucking pissed off, mate. I couldn't give a Castlemaine forex for anything else. Put a, no, put, put a sausage on the barbie, Kylie. No, you can't do that. No, I was doing a really good impression there. But yeah, if, if, a, ma- if, a, if, if a top eight manager does not know the handball rule, and I think we all agree with them, what is going on? It changes every week. Just... I, I, uh, I presume we're talking about the Romero one against Arsenal there, which actually, I actually think it is a handball. But, yeah, I thought it was, yeah. But 
A few weeks ago at Spurs, Man United played them. It's more of a handball. Oh, no, that's not a handball. And and you're absolutely right. We have to find a solution here. And we can't just moan. That Goldbridge saves no, football no. is not just moaning. We can't just do that. It's just noise. We have to solve football. And, and I'm all, you know what? As sad as it is, I'm with you. VAR's got to go. That's the statement. It's got to go because it's not being used correctly. If VAR and the aim of VAR was for consistency in football, happy days. We've got the technology. That's what it's there for. People, you know what? It's a shame this is not a pod. It's a shame it's a podcast and it's not visual on mainstream media because I feel, and I'll call these pundits out as well, they ain't interested. They're interested in their own little ventures. Oh, am I getting invited to that dinner party? Am I on that podcast? Oh, have I still got my job here? Oh, can I go on there? Can I be on that gravy train? They're not interested in football. They've rinsed football. They're making their money out of football. They're not actually passionate about the fan because they've never bloody been one. They're on the gravy train. They've got someone in their ear. They've got a script in front of them. They should have been there on match of the day on Saturday night and TNT and, and Sky and anything else. They should have been on there outraged saying that could send Wolves down. That 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 despicable handball could send Wolves down. And why is that a handball? And a couple of weeks ago, it wasn't a handball. VAR's got to go. It's got to go. It's, it's consistency, Will. Surely that's what we want. And they're using it to back the referees up. That's my interpretation of VAR. It's there to back the referee, which will always lead to inconsistency because you're backing that individual idiot each week. But it's we're having conversations about conversations now. So VAR's been brought in. So we're having a debate about the actual decision when it's made. And then we're having a debate about how the VAR's been a- applied. So we're just in an endless cycle of conversation where nothing's getting solved. And you look at, you know, on, everyone's a big fan of Ref Watch on Sky Sports News. We tune in with bated breath each week to see what Dermot Gallagher's going to say. And it was rightly brought up this week about the difference between the Manchester United decisions and... He was just there going, I know you've got a great Dermot Gallagher impression, but it was literally like you've been doing every week. It was like, go on, Mark. Well, at the end of the day, when you look at Romero handballing against Manchester United, he's, he's, he's simply seeing his family in the crowd. He's waving at them. He's from Argentina. He's not seen them for a month. He's waved at them. It's hit his hand. In the North London derby, he is trying to handball that ball. You know, he's, try, he's trying to punch it. He, you know, he actually should get locked up for assault. He's not just trying to handle it. He's trying to assault it. It's a handball. But it, the way he was is on that Sky what he said? Sports News, is that what he said? yeah, spot on. Yeah, he, he literally looked like a frightened rabbit. He looked like me going on stage in the year three nativity. I haven't got a clue what I'm doing, so I'll just make something up. And he was so like, uh, yeah, thanks, right. And that's the man who you're getting put onto Sky Sports News to tell us about the weekend's decision. And he ain't got a clue. The managers haven't got a clue. We haven't got a clue. So let's just get rid of VAR. If it's bad, it's bad. And we can all move on. And that's why I do like the championship as much as I want to get out of it the 13 seasons as a Birmingham City fan. A goal goes in. You know where you stand. You look at the flag. If it's up, it's up. If it's not, goal, brilliant. Done. The championship. Where a flag's a flag and a pie's a pie. And the grass is real grass. <laughs> There we go. The championship coming to yeah, coming to Luton soon. Um, no, you know what though. As much as I get frustrated, I actually feel inspired by this because you know what? When you see Gallagher on the telly, a frightened rabbit in the headlights because he knows he's contradicting what he said a few weeks ago, and you see the mainstream just not doing anything about it, and you see the referees. Well, at least we're adding ten minutes onto every game at the moment. Shove your ten minutes up your ass. The fact is, we are in the right. We have won. We are the winners because when we're losing, we're losing every week. Wolves lost this week. I think Chelsea will talk about that in a moment. And everybody loses every week because everybody's the the, the whole point of inconsistency is it will get everybody. You know, it will get Liverpool, it will get Arsenal, it will get everybody at some point. But we're right. The the officiating is so ridiculous that we are factually right. Like literally handballs weren't given a few weeks ago are now being given. Red cards Mm -hmm. are being given in one game. And it's a yellow card in the other game. And it's so simple to solve. Scrap VAR. And if we're going to have inconsistency, if we're going to have inconsistency, let's just go back to referees who were always inconsistent. Let's get rid of VAR. Or if you really want to get technical Howard, and I'm not talking about the producer, I'm talking about Howard Webb. How about you stop using VAR to protect your inefficient officials and you actually set up a very simple definition of what a handball is i.e if it hits their hand it's a handball like it is in europe and then when the ball hits the hand and the referee doesn't give it var says it's hit his hand it's a penalty not 
I know you haven't given it, so we're going to back you up. Or you've given a penalty where it's hit. I mean, look, basically the Wolves won. Why was that a penalty? Because the referee on the pitch sees the ball, hit the knee, hit the hand and says penalty. VAR looks at it and goes, yeah, we're not going to make him look an idiot. We'll back him and say it's a penalty. And when they should have done, he said, no, it's not a penalty. It's come off his knee. Yeah. I just think I think the big statement thing that we need to be going forward as a community, everyone listening to this podcast, is to get rid of VAR full stop. Because until they yeah. know we've got an absolute, I mean, we're probably better off waiting five years for AI to take over officiating and and have that going forward. Because until we get something where we've got a competent line of officials and it's just not resourced properly, let's just ban it and stop having conversations about conversations about conversations. And you know what annoys me as well is that, you know, at best on, on, on Match of the Day or something like that, you'll get the pundit sat there going, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not a penalty. <laughs> and you feel like, going, what are you laughing about? What are you laughing about on your bloody six-figure salary that, and, and your perks? That, that, that could send us down. We're passionate fans. We need you to be talking about this disgrace. I'm tired of it, Alan. I'm tired of it, Gary. I'm tired of it, Mika. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of watching a game of football and not having a bloody clue what the Pratt with the referee's whistle is going to do with it. He may as well blow a tune out of his arse. I haven't got a clue what he's going to do. And that, in any sport, any sport will tell you if it could talk, whether it's tennis, cricket, golf, whatever. Your number one job is to entertain the viewer and make them feel like they know what's going on. We've all watched American football and pretend we know what's going on. We haven't got a bloody clue most of the time. But with football, we are making football less knowledgeable for the viewer. The viewer is watching things and going, I don't know. <laughs> it used to be a handball. It was last week. It might be a handball this week. Um, get rid of VAR and start shouting this out because we're not, we're not being treated correctly by the officials or the mainstream on this. They're just brushing it under the carpet and almost categorizing it as oh another drama it's another drama in the premier league tune in at 10 o'clock yeah no i don't want to tune in about a drama it's it's not a drama it, it, it's a disgrace it's a comedy if it was funny it would be yeah but you know just quickly before we move on to something else as well it would be remiss of me i have to say this what was going the, the chelsea red card for gusto was a little bit reckless but he did get the ball the Enketia one in the North London derby is late and could have snapped his ankle and it's a yellow card. And I'm like, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about penalties and handballs and offsides. But that reminds me of the Casemiro one, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But the, the, that reminds me of that where in the same weekend, in the same, you know, Sunday afternoon, two referees completely misinterpreting what, what a red card is. But I think if we, without the VAR, that sort of not becomes acceptable. But yeah. there's a bit, I think a bit more common sense gets applied to the game where, you know, I'm not saying it's right, but if it's a North London derby, maybe there should be a bit of like slight lenience either way because, you know, let's have a fucking go at each other for the first 15 minutes. You want the crowd up, you want everyone yeah. scrapping. So, but with VAR, it's just like, right, that was, and they're trying to make a piece of puzzle together without all the pieces and they just can't do it. So I just don't think it helps them. No, I think I think what fans expect with VAR is consistency and excellence, and what they're getting is a bunch of mates looking out for each other. Um, it's a bit like Which having has been C said as well, hasn't it? We're like Mike Dean. It's a bit like having CCTV on your house, and you think it's there to protect your house from burglars and your car being nicked, and then the operators using it to look at the woman or man across the road. You know, they're they're, they're, com <laughs> they're completely. Is that what you do? Is it? No, I don't got. No, I do not. I'm just saying that's what that's what that's what VAR would do. That's what their operators would do. They're using it for the wrong purpose, but we assume it's there for the right reasons. And it's you're right. Get rid of it. I never really wanted to say get rid of VAR, but Goldbridge saves football. Will recommended it. I think we've got to get rid of it because they're not using it correctly. And and the dangerous thing is, if you have a technology that's not used correctly, it's dangerous. It's like Terminator. You know, yeah. and look look what happened there. I was going to say iRobot, and that sort of shows the difference in age between us. Um, I've mentioned Dermot Gallagher and uh, Pratt Pundit, but is there someone that you want to talk about? I can see you ready oh, to yeah. Well, beacons. I love this. I started this last week because you weren't here, and I sort of needed to fill some time. So I came up with a new <laughs> section, which was uh, Pratt Pundit of the Week, which I actually think is one of the best sections ever invented on any platform, whether it's podcasts, YouTube, um, 
TV, whatever they call it, terrestrial. I don't know. This, to me, is up there with the best thing we've ever done. So Pratt Pundit of the Week is basically some contenders for the worst comments from pundits. It, you know what, as well, I'm not going to be... It could come from someone like myself or Will. Um, you know, I remember Rory Jennings last year uh, saying that uh, Erling Haaland would flop. I mean, that's the sort of stuff we're talking about. And I like Rory, but it was a Pratt comment. Um, this one is perfect. My, my my suggestion... Have you got one, Will? Or have you used it already? Yeah, I've got one. Yeah, yeah, I've got mine. Oh, well, it could be a challenge this week. Surprisingly, last week, Gabby Agbonglahor wasn't mentioned. I think we had Ali McCoist, Paul Merson, Tim Sherwood. So we do mix it up. This has to go in though and I knew it would happen and actually I got sent it by someone on the watch along on that's football yesterday so back in March Casemiro red carded uh for grabbing the, the collar I think it was February actually grabbing the collar of um the uh, what was his name oh what's his name Will Hughes Crystal Palace grabs his collar wasn't particularly violent got sent off Gabby Agbonlahor gets on the radio god knows who let him says that's not only a red card, it's an assault. Should, the police should be ringing up, right? Okay. At the weekend, Rodri literally does touch skin. He grabs Gibbs White round the neck. He, he completely regrets it as soon as he does it, but he does it. And actually when he does it, he really is. It's a bit of a Bart Simpson Homer thing, isn't it? He grabs him and he really wants to <laughs> wring his neck, realizes I'm on national TV, takes his hands away. Um, Gabby's response to that, Will? Do you think it was consistent to the Casemiro one? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think it'd probably be spot on. No, uh, Gibbs White's made a meal out of that. Yeah. (laughs) But do you not think this ties into we as a a community and a fan base need to do better where we got to bite our tongue because we know what he's doing? Yeah, no, exactly. You've you've ne- you're on form today, Will. This you should go to Greece more often. You <laughs> you my, many people think my my reaction to that blatant contradiction from Gabby Bonglahor is to say he's useless. Um, he hasn't got a clue what he's on about. He's bitter, and all those things might be true. I take a more cynical view on it. I think he knows exactly what he is doing. I think he knew what he was doing when he said the Casemiro one. He deserved to go to prison because he's trying to wind Man United fans up. And I think with Rodri and Man City, he probably doesn't really care about them that much. So probably said, I don't think it's a red card. Um, You know, Gibbs White is overreacting. And there ended the lesson on certain sections of our pundit world. Um, They ain't taking it seriously. They're doing it for the clicks. And uh, I think he's exposed himself as a contender for Pratt of the Week, in my opinion. Uh, It's not Pratt of the Week, Pratt Pundit of the Week. What's yours, Will? Well, I've got someone who think I've is actually. I was going to say he's actually exposed them, but it's not quite that bad. It's um, it's yours and mine and everyone's favourite pundit, Jermaine Genus. Uh, <laughs> there's a c- clip doing the rounds on social media where it's basically you know the four windowed memes, and it's basically three clips from the same video and then a basically a contradiction at the end. So it's from some sort of promotional video he must have done or something, and basically it's backing the referee. So it's three clips. It's uh, we've all got to do better at all levels. No more surrounding the refs, no more abuse. And then during the North London derby at the weekend, Jermaine Genius tweeted, complete, complete shithouse of a referee. They're all ruining our game. Uh, so He just tweeted that? Quite a big... Yeah, yeah. He's on the one show. He can't be doing stuff <laughs> like that. Well, he's he... doing the rounds on Twitter, so it must be true. He, well, I'll I tell you what, I think we need to verify if that's true, because I, I never thought I would be defending Jermaine Genus, but uh, his agent is the best agent in the world. He got him a gig presenting the bloody FIFA awards, and he's on the one show. Um, look, Jermaine Genus ain't my favourite agent. Uh, fa- well, got it. Yeah, it's real, sorry. It's true. 23 hours, yeah, so, yeah, 23 hours ago, yeah. I don't think a presenter of the one show should, should be using the word shit. And also, <laughs> I don't think the presenter of the one show should be... Um, going in on referees. That's bullying and abuse from Genus from the one show there. And I, I'm I'm calling, I'm disgusted, Jermaine. I'm absolutely disgusted that we've got to put you in Pratt Pundit of the Week, contradicting yourself there. But you know what? On a serious note, obviously that was very much tongue-in-cheek. Um, the Which is probably what he... No, um, anyway, but what I would say is that it, they talk so... If You've got to be intelligent to do this. And I'm, I'm sort of blowing my own trumpet here, but I do a lot of streams... We, we do, Will. We do a lot of content. We've got to back ourselves here. And you've got the, the one lesson I would always say is don't say anything for the hell of it. 
Because if you say, if you, if I say, if I think, if I wake up in the morning and go, I really want to wind up Liverpool fans. I'm going to say Salah's overrated. One, I don't believe it. And two, within a few weeks, he'll score a goal and I'll go, he's world-class. He is world-class. And that's what they do. If you're true to yourself, sometimes you might not have a clickable video or, or comment. Sometimes it might just be, you know, actually that was average. But they can't, they wrap themselves up because they, they say things they don't mean. Like, oh, look after the referees. One day we'll be like them. Well, I don't know what that means, but you know what I mean? They, 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 they say things they don't mean. And then in the heat of a North London derby, oh, he's a shit referee. So, yeah, I'm not surprised. I don't mind it. That's, that, I think that's Jermaine Genius and like everyone else at home. Like I'd be tweeting that if it was Blues. Like That should be like the true reflection of him. But obviously, if you are then going out on some, I don't know what video it was from, from a referee campaign, but you know. I've heard abuse at referees at St Andrews. I'm sure you've uh, have at Old Trafford. And I tell you what, though, if you're just honest about it, I tell you what, though, I was watching. Uh, my daughter was playing at, uh, on Saturday. Uh, was it Saturday or Sunday? Playing a game, and uh, they the had. Um, yeah, it was a no. She wasn't playing for the Blues. She was playing for another team, and um, it was a it was a girls' game, uh, girls against girls, and uh, the referee was a female. She was probably about sixteen, seventeen, and. I was getting really, really frustrated actually because there was um, people from the touchline, you know, saying "ref, that's a bad decision." There's, uh, you know, people on both teams sort of going "ref," you know, and I, and I actually was getting really annoyed by it because I was like, "This is a 16, 17 year old girl who's refereeing this game. Um, there's no one there to support her. There's no VAR. There's no stewards. There's nothing like that." And I think that's where I will say. It actually made me feel a bit sad inside. I was like, that, that's, that's, you know, and it wouldn't matter if it was a, a girl or a boy or there were 55 or 17. It's still somebody who's a human being doing, I think there's something very pure about officiating at amateur level because you are absolutely exposed. You're exposed yeah. to people who are uneducated on the touchline who don't have a steward or a police officer to tell them to stop doing that. There is no VAR to protect them. They don't get paid good money for it. Um, I think you, you know, you. I think, I think, I think grassroots football officials respect them, do respect them. It's such a hard job, but when it comes to what we've been talking about before, I'm not a hypocrite. I'm not a hypocrite. They're paid good money. They're in a bubble. Yeah. They're in a bubble. They've got VAR. They've got so much support. They're never held accountable. They, they, them, they, they give grassroots referees a hard time because I tell you what, grassroots officiating is really difficult. That's my part. Yeah, I'm sponsored. I, I am sponsored by Grassroot Official. <laughs> no, not really. So I think. Well, who do you want to say is the Pratt pundit of the week? I think it's got to be Lahore. I never thought I'd say that. It's, it's a tough choice when it's Lahore versus Janus, but I, I'd go Lahore just because it's such a blatant contradiction, and I think it exposes what many people think anyway that he's just making it up as he goes along. Well, thank God that section's over because you've really wound me up. I was on holiday trying to have a mojito. Obviously, I'm just checking in with you, but you've you've really you know got me right in the. You just really wound me up. So obviously, this weekend we've seen uh, some of the promoted sides losing badly. Um, Sheffield United obviously took a tonkin. Uh, Luton obviously as well, getting just not doing very well. But you've tweeted Sheffield United and Luton should just go home, and a couple of hours later, following it up with. Uh, what have you said? Any chance of these promoted sides could stay up? Can't see any of the established lot dropping it, to be honest. I mean, we are five games, Burnley four games into the season. Some of Burnley have had one of the toughest runs known to man. And I know you're speaking about Sheffield United, Luton maybe more specifically, but just give these guys a chance. We've only just started. I want to throw my hat into the ring and say I'm fully behind Luton Town this season. There's a weird rivalry with Birmingham City, but that was more when Nathan Jones was there. So... I am fully on the Luton Town train. If there's anything I can do, let me know. But you've really wound me up. Burnley've had one of the toughest runs known to man. They're not Mo Farah. <laughs> They've played four Premier League games that they signed up for. I mean, look, I think that in relation to the relegation, again, it's a bit of a pet hate because it's almost like you can't criticise anymore. You know, Maguire shouldn't play for England because he doesn't get picked for Man United and he ain't good enough for Man United. Oh, you're a bully, you're an abuser. No, he's just not good enough. Luton and Sheffield United will struggle to get 25 points. They're rubbish. Oh, you just hate Luton and Sheffield United. I don't. I'm indifferent to them. I've got no chat. I've got, I've got, no, I've got no plans to go to Sheffield or Luton. Uh, might be a really nice place, but um, it's not personal. You're not good enough. You're going to get relegated. Um, it is what it is. I think with Burnley, 
I like what companies done at Burnley, and I think they do play good football. And I, I agree, their start to the they're, they're a game down on everybody else as well because they had the Luton game cancelled, didn't they? Because of the ground, that would yeah. have been that would have been an easy three points for Burnley. So they would they wouldn't be as far down as they are. But are they the three worst Premier League po- promoted teams ever? I think the last time the three new it's only ever happened once. Will that uh, the three league the three league the three newly promoted uh, teams have gone down. I think it happened in '97. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was Palace, Barnsley, and obviously somebody else. Uh, the name Barnsley. Oh, that's the first season. Watto was playing for them. Was he? Yeah, yeah. Neil Redfern, captain. Yeah. But I just think with that thing, it's not just you, but there's a lot of people that are like. I think it's because I'm a Birmingham City fan. There feels like there's a lot of like elitism where people in the top six, or if you're a Champions League team fan, and they're like. What are these teams doing here? Well, like, no, they've earned the right. Like, this could be an absolutely monumental season for Luton for not even on the pitch reasons. And I just think it's such a feel-good story that they even got to the Premier League in the first side. Why would we all not just sort of? I mean, who are Luton's rivals? I don't really know actually. MK but Dons. Maybe. Apart from any, apart from people that hate them, just get behind them because it's it's a real fairy tale story, and you get people just being so dismissive of them already. And I I think, look. Let's just give them a chance. Let's get behind them and let's have them as our second team because I think you need a second team with all the stress of Man United. I don't need bloody Luton. I'll tell you what I would say in counter-react <laughs> to that. It's not a fairy tale. It's a fairy tale if you're from Luton. I don't I don't think it's a fairy yeah. tale because did we that's not... That's what I mean. I'm not saying... But did that fairy tale of a team that's not very good getting promoted, did that not run out with Swindon and Jan Argafjortoft about 30 years ago? <laughs> Um, it does happen quite a lot. And look, it's great for those teams that come up, but it's so frustrating for the established elite that these teams like Luton and Sheffield United get promoted. And you just basically go six points for virtually everybody. There's nothing worse than looking at the the league fixtures and going, imagine you're an Arsenal fan, right? You play, you've got to play Villa away from home. And you look at what Man City have got, Luton. You go, oh God. You know, but obviously that'll work the other way around. But it's like, yeah, I, no, I, you're I, setting yourself up for a big failure with Man United go to Kenilworth Road. Oh, Man United are definitely going to lose. It's happened. We lost to Barnsley. I remember losing to Barnsley 1-0, actually. But um, I think with, on a serious note, it's great for them. But I've spoke to many football fans across my life. Um, you know, I, I'm, a giving, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a giving person. I'll always listen. You know, people think I'm only interested in the top six. If I, If someone stops me in the street and says, can I have a photo? I'll always say, who do you support? And if they say to me, I don't know, Preston, I'll still let him have a photo. I'll say, I don't know anything about you. <laughs> I don't know what league you're in. Um, and I haven't, and actually don't tell me because I'm not interested, but I'll still give him a photo. But with, with, I, I've spoke to West Brom fans and they've said, I like being in the championship more than the Premier League. You know why, Will? Because we win games in the Premier League. Yeah. You're traveling all around, you're getting absolutely battered. I don't think we can solve that problem. I think the the championship promotion to the Premier League must be elation for the teams like Luton and Sheffield United, and then the the sharp reality of yeah, we we we, we you know we we're, we're going to get relegated. Can you enjoy the ride of going to Stamford Bridge? We probably win there, but but the Etihad, the Emirates, getting beat three, four, five nil, um, beat getting beat at home by the teams that you should be beating, the West Hands. Can you enjoy that for one year? Of course you can. But is there anything we can do to save it? I mean, I think the only way to do it is to either come up like Burnley with a really good brand of football and hope that keeps you up. And we've seen it with Brentford and Fulham. It can work. Or you do a Norwich where you sort of yo-yo between the two and hope that one year you just click right and get to stay. I think I think survive if you can. Look, I don't think Bournemouth will go down this year. I think if you can, if you can survive year one, You've got a great yeah. chance of uh, of making it, haven't you? It's a bit like uh, no, I can't do that yet. But you know, it is um, it, it is it is a problem to solve, um, and I do sympathise. Like let's get behind them. Look, I'd, I'd love. I think Luton should have beat Wolves at the weekend. But if you're not going to do that, I, I just don't see them staying up. But there's no part of me that wouldn't love it. I think everybody would love it. I think when we saw it with. Fulham last year it was great to see them in the top half of the table well done to them you're welcome it's not a closed shop we do you know we are looking down on you let's be honest but that but in a nice way it's sort of like someone who's won the lottery well done you you can come to our parties but know your place you didn't earn it but you are welcome and we will take your money 
Um, should we move on to the other end of the scale then? Because obviously a lot of people are speaking about Manchester City being a juggernaut with their start to the season and oh. comparing them to Arsenal Invincible. So do we think that's comparable right comparable right now? And will Manchester City do it? Um, Arsenal did it with 90 points and they drew 12 games. I think if Manchester City did do it, they'd, they'd absolutely blitz it. They, they won the treble, but they didn't beat Man United's treble because Man United's treble was better. But if they were to do the Invincibles, they would do it better because Arsenal, I remember that season. I don't, I don't, I don't personally think the Arsenal Invincible side is their best Arsenal side under Wenger. I really don't. Uh, they didn't win the Carabao Cup. They didn't win the FA Cup. They didn't win the Champions League and they drew 12 games and they became obsessed by it in the end. Like that's why they drew so many games. They sort of, you get to sort of February and you're like, oh, we could do it. And, they, and I think it was in their head. Whereas I think if Man City were to do it, Pep's not going to start playing for draws. They, they're not that sort of team. So, but the honest answer, Will, what are your, what's your thoughts? I'll tell you why no in a minute, but I think it's a big flat no, they won't do it. What do you think? Well, I think we're getting a bit carried away. It ties into probably what we're talking about with Sheffield United and Luton, where we're just looking at the weekend results, the first four games of the season. And the, what, the toughest fixture for Manchester City in the league, probably Newcastle at home. They were quite comfortable, really, in that game. And then the West Ham away has been their toughest so far. Between In October and November, Manchester City have got to play in the league. Arsenal away, Brighton at home, Manchester United away, Chelsea away, Liverpool at home, Manchester, uh, Tottenham at home, Aston Villa away, and uh, they've got a Brentford fixture in there. But uh, that's between now and in October and November, they've got probably the whole top eight to play with it in all of their next Premier League games. So I just think maybe let's have the conversation at the end of November and see where they are then because mixed in with the Champions League games, that run... You know, teams like Tottenham have come on leaps and bounds. Liverpool, which I know you're a big fan of with the, with the revitalised midfield. I think we just need to all simmer down, calm down, relax. Because I think it will be competitive. We just need these games to happen. They absolutely won't do it, but they're an absolutely fantastic side. Categorically will not happen for a number of reasons. One, mainly what you've just said there, when Arsenal won the won the Invincibles. I mean, it's not even, they don't even win anything. They just wrap it up in a Yorkie wrapper. But they, that that league was not competitive like this one. It was 04, wasn't it? United's team was going through transition. Liverpool were Liverpool. Chelsea didn't It was have, always the top two, wasn't it? Until yeah. recent, like until like 10 years ago. 2004 was probably one of the worst Premier Could Leagues, uh, was probably one of the worst Premier Leagues ever up, up there with Leicester. Um, if you think about it, United had just won the Premier League three years in a row and was going through transition. Man City didn't exist. Chelsea didn't have Mourinho yet. Liverpool were Liverpool. Uh, yeah, it was Newcastle were no good. So it was it was not competitive. But you you've just hit the nail on the head. Man City, brilliant team. Liverpool are bouncing back. They're good. Arsenal have just become second. Villa, brilliant. Brighton, very very good. Spurs, Man United, Newcastle. Man City aren't going invincible, Will. They're just not. No, I think it's it's just because I think their big thing is the treble. Like imagine doing a back-to-back trebles would be more impressive than an invincible season. And that's an obvious thing to say, but that's what they could do. And that's incredibly special. Doesn't look like they're going to do the quadruple though. I don't know whether you saw what Pep, heard what Pep said about the Newcastle game on Wednesday. He said, uh, no, absolutely not. I'm not risking players. I've already got injury records. I mean, he might be, we might be being, but, but but I think that's there's so much football now, and and look, one thing, the, another thing, the referees have got wrong is this obsession with adding ten minutes onto every game. I loved the European football last week because in the Champions League, the referees were just adding one minute at the end of the first half and three or four minutes at the end of the, and it was great. There's there's too much football going on, and I think there's way too many injuries. Um, but I know we're going to move on to the either or section, but I just wanted to frame something before because although it's not either or. This is sort of ignoring ignoring me, annoying me in the sense that we saw it last week with Ten Hag and the pile-on from the media and, and the total ignorance around Pochettino, even though he's got five points from six. Last week, it was all about, oh, Ten Hag's under pressure. He's losing the dressing room. He needs to go. Nothing about Pochettino, and they've just lost again. And I think it's also the same with Ange Ball and Klopp. And I don't know whether we've got this north-south divide again, because actually a lot of TV companies are actually in Manchester now, so we can't say it's London favouritism. 
But look, Spurs have had a very good start to the season, but Liverpool are second. Liverpool were dreadful last season. He's rebuilt that midfield. They look really, really solid again. No one's really talking about them. It's like Jürgen Klopper. We expect that. I think, I think I'm a Man United fan, and I think what Liverpool have done at the start of this season was not predicted and has been incredible. They are now second. They look better than Arsenal. They look like they're the number one contenders for Man City. Who was saying that in the summer? And yet it's just, oh, that's fine. It's all about, it's all about Ange, isn't it? It's all about Castlemaine Forex and Fosters and bloody Vegemite. Yeah, but it's it's because it's new, and I think that the Liverpool story will sort of come into. There's people speaking about it, but it's just new, isn't it? Everyone likes a new shiny toy, and just that at Tottenham, and then with the Chelsea thing, I think the comparison people speak about Ten Hag because he has been there for a year, and for the start of the season, if you're just looking at that, it does feel like Manchester United have taken a step back, and he's had the 12 months in charge. Where Poch, I mean, it's an absolute fire of a mess but he's only been in charge for five six games of the season and from everyone's point of view from outside of it sort of been handed this crop of players to you know you sort that out mate it'll all be all right is a billion but i think sort it out you know what i think it's completely different i I don't know i I actually think it's a media agenda i think because remember when 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 ten hog took over the media I just think, yeah, but who's the no? We're better than saying the media. Like. No, well, I, I, the mainstream media, the, the journalists, the TV stations. I think you know what? I think they wake up in the morning and they go, "Don't talk about Chelsea. No one's interested. Talk about Ten Hag. Talk about Man United." You know, I, I think that I think that's what they're set up to do. They know Manchester United's bigger news than Chelsea. And my and my evidence of this is that Eric Ten Hag a year ago took over the worst ever Man United Premier League side. We got 59 points. That's never happened before. The dressing room was toxic. He took over that football club. He lost his first two games of the season and people were talking about, well, maybe he's not the right guy. He's had two games with the worst ever Man United side. And then he went on and took us to third. Pochettino has been here before. Pochettino has managed PSG. Pochettino is inheriting a team that spent a billion in the last year. He's got five points from six. That's that's terrible. And you know why they won't go in on him? Oh, Poch has been on Monday Night Football. He's a great manager. Go on, go on. Good old Poch. He's not a great manager. He's a bloody bad manager at the moment. And I, I, I think that there are I think there are agendas in football, Will. I really do. I think that Liverpool are being are not getting the credit they deserve. And I think Manchester United's manager gets way more criticism than a, a glaringly obvious manager who I don't think it's going to get better for Chelsea. Anyway, I did a video on that football about it, so I don't want to go on about it too much. But you look at their, you look at Chelsea's November, December run. I tell you what, he could, he could, he could be gone by Christmas. He, you know, his future's looking about as good as a turkey at the moment. <laughs> well, there's part the sick part of me that would like to see Chelsea in the Championship next season. That would just be a great football manager save. Um, yeah, that's one of the either rules that we both brought up. <laughs> Is a lot of striker debate at the moment. Haaland's sort of going on as the robot he is. Kane's absolutely firing and getting assists in the Bundesliga like we knew he would. But it's bringing up the question again, Mark, Kane or Haaland? Well, it is bringing up the question. And I like I like the fact that we're being honest and doing it as an either or because I've seen a lot of people this week talking about who the best striker in the world is. And we know what you really mean. Is it Kane or Haaland? To which the answer is Erling Haaland. I hate to say it, but this is why he is in everybody's fancy Premier League team. This is why he's the captain. People will be going, well, you can't pick Kane because he's in Bayern Munich. But even if he was at Spurs, even if he was at Manchester United, uh, I'd look, look, Harry Kane is brilliant and it's great to see him settling in the Bundesliga, scoring goals for Bayern Munich, which everybody knew he would because he's a professional and uh, Mm -hmm. he's he's an absolutely world-class striker. But right here, right now, it's a boring answer from me, Will. It's Erling Haaland. I don't think there's a better striker in the world than him, The goal, especially over the last 12 months. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't really argue with you on that. Um, as much as I'd like to debate it, I mean, it is Erling Haaland. Like we said before, it's sort of ruining fantasy football. Was it on this podcast or maybe when we were doing with Ben, or maybe it was a friend of mine who was saying, for fantasy football, you should just be allowed one Erling Haaland chip. So you've got your captain chip, but then you've got your Erling Haaland chip where you just have that for one season so we can spice up the captaincy. But fully in agreed with that. And just on that, just on that. we move I know- on to... Because a, a lot of people play football, fancy Premier League. I've got another one as well. I agree with you about Erling Haaland. I think it's ruined the captain thing because everyone has him as captain. I actually think the vice captain, I think you mentioned this before, vice captain should also get double points. I think that would be really interesting or at least one and a half times the points. I also think with the volume of games that, that teams are having to play now, I think you should have 
two free transfers a week because I'm, I find it difficult. Like even Matoma didn't start at the weekend and it's only September. We're already seeing really big rotation. So I actually think you should get two free transfers a week as well. There's so much rotation at the moment. Well, I, my one transfer for the weekend was in, I bought Gusto in. So minus two, next three games out, fantastic management. Get and Jack- that's why I'll stick to the computer. I got ahead of the game here. I've cleared the game. Get Jackson out now. I, I had I gave him one more week. He's got more yellow cards. He's got he's got more yellow cards than goals, definitely. But he's he's got he's got five yellow cards in six games. He's now got a one match ban. That's it. That must be some sort of record. Vinnie Jones would be would be proud of that. I didn't deal in, right, let's move I, on I only to... I only deal in red. What was that? Vinnie Jones. Did. That sounded Irish. Is he Irish? No. I, 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 what is he? London. Okay. I only deal in red. Yeah, that's a lot better. Um, can I just say that uh, we popped out a question on the community tab this morning to the viewers. I said, get, send us your either ors. And the quality of question has been absolutely outstanding. So well uh, a round of applause from me, Mark. Uh, it's absolutely fantastic. So I wanted to start off with one from Football Hipster. He says, would you rather have Deserbi or Arteta as manager of your team? Ooh, that, that is a cracker, that. That is really crapper. crapper. It's not a crapper, it's a cracker. <laughs> I think that I'm a big fan of Arteta. I could see what he was doing at Arsenal, but I've got to be honest, it might be hipster. It might be, you know, frequency, bias, whatever you want to call it, because they've just beaten Man United at Old Trafford and it was very impressive how they did it. But I think I'd have to go to Zerbi. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want Arteta anyway because he's an Arsenal manager, but I think I would go Deserbi. I think what he's done and the way they play on a consistent level and the sheer volume of rotation, like he can change his team and he's not, you know, he's not Pep. He's not rotating internationals. Uh, I think I think I'd have to go Deserbi over Arteta, but in no way am I disrespecting Arteta. I think he's a really good manager, but I think you know, you've, got, you've got to make a choice, Will. I, I would go Deserbi. What about you? Yeah, I think I'd go to Zerbi as well because when you've got the likes of Pep Guardiola speaking about him today and he's sort of changing things tactically and revolutionising that, that's a big commendment from him. And just the way he sort of... We were all really in love with that Graham Potter side at Brighton and obviously he went to Chelsea and it didn't work out, but he's evolved that into the thing that they were missing, goals. I think they've won like three or four one in all their games or the home games this season. So they're scoring goals, creating chances. If I'm a neutral in the Premier League, which I, I am, I think, apart from Villa... I'd want to watch Brighton at the weekend because you know you're going to get an attacking game, whether it's home away against the big teams. You can imagine going going to the Etihad and playing this exactly the same way. I think the stat was doing the rounds on Twitter, wasn't it? With they've taken no long kicks at all, zero, not even from the goalie. From and it cost them a goal at the weekend, but you know such is life. But I think we're all agreed on Deserby. Uh, moving that, on to the that, next. Just one. on that very very quickly, good go on, point go on, to make. Go on, go on, go on. Um, a lot of people say Man City will never be toppled while Pep's there, and a lot of clubs are waiting for Pep to move aside. Tell you what, if Deserbi carries on the way he is and takes the Pep job after, I don't think Man City drop off. I think they dominate for another five years. So, you know, careful what you wish for. Pep goes. I mean, bring someone like that in. I don't think it gets any better for anyone. I agree. And that pains me. Uh, Moving on to the next one is from Shot Swish. He says, Liverpool or Arsenal, who are the biggest title contenders or pretenders this season? Liverpool are better than Arsenal at the moment. It's a fact. I like what Arteta's done. I don't like what he's doing this season. I think his midfield is imbalanced. There are injury problems. Their front three doesn't work as as well. I think he's having to pick Nketiah too much. But the biggest problem is Havertz. It doesn't work. Yesterday, uh, well, it wasn't yesterday, um, Sunday, when they brought Havertz on, Odegaard disappeared. I don't... that. Sometimes a manager makes a signing and it all goes wrong. At the moment, keep an eye on Arteta because if he stubbornly keeps trying to put Havertz in that team, I just do not think it's going to work. I was open to it at the start of the season, but after six weeks, it's not that Havertz is a bad player. I just don't see how he's going to fit into that team without the detriment to others. Whereas Liverpool, we already knew they had a good a lot of uh, a number of attacking options. Their midfield was the weak point. He's rebuilt that midfield and suddenly... I don't think they're they're on Man City's level, but I think they are the second best team at the moment. So I'll go Liverpool on that one, Will. Yeah, I love that. Moving on to the next one. Um, who's been the better signing, Sabozlai or Declan Rice? Again, that's from I, Chris Mullen. Again, I, I, I won't mess around. Sabozlai or Rice, it's got to be Sabozlai. Um, Declan Rice, 
I like Declan Rice. I think he's going to be a fantastic long-term signing for Arsenal. And he, there's no doubting his quality. But Declan Rice played for West Ham last year and played for them the year before, maybe the year before that. And I think the year before that, he's Premier League proven. So Bosley is one of those hipster signings that you buy on Football Manager or FIFA and go, oh, look at me. I've, I bought a player I can't pronounce the name of and he's brilliant. He's not played in the Premier League before. He's played six Premier League games. They're second in the league. He's, he's fits them like a glove, like a comfy pair of slippers. I think he's been an absolute revelation. I'd actually be, I'd, if I was doing an either or at the moment, Will, I'd be doing Sabozli or Madison. That's how highly I rate him. And yeah, and you didn't rate Madison at the start of the season. And no. one I think we should add into the mix in there as well is, I don't know if you saw the assist at the weekend by Alexis McAllister, but like you said, he's fit into that midfield so well. Yeah. That ball over the top, the great Nunes finish. And, you know, I think they're going to be up there. Uh, we've talked about Chelsea. There was a good one from Joe Nolan, but it was about whether it's a sort of manager problem or the ownership problem. But we've spoke a lot about Chelsea. So let's move it back onto a Manchester United level. This one's from V1 Robbie. He says, De Gea's shot-saving ability or Onana's passing ability? Good question. Don't want to pause. Great trying questions. to talk. Yeah, I'm trying to think about this. So Anana's passing ability is completely redundant at Manchester United at the moment because we don't know how to pass out uh, beyond Anana. So we've not seen the best of it. I think where we did see the best of it was in the Champions League final for Inter and it was really, really impressive. So you that, that's the peak of Anana. David De Gea as a shot stopper is uh, and has proven himself to be fantastic. What would I rather have in the modern day? You can't have one without the other, if I'm being honest, and I'm not going to sit on the fence. So... A goalkeeper's always got to save shots. We saw it with Raya at the weekend. Like, for all this distribution that's better than Ramsdale, that save is the thing you remember. Goalkeepers fundamentally and always will be more important for their shot stopping. So if I'm saying De is a better shot stop stopper than Anana, I'd rather have shot stopping over ball playing. But in the modern game, you've got to have both. Exactly. Uh, while we've been away, the new EAFC 24 games come out and there's a question from a big fan here, a young lad called Will Brazier. He said, who would win in a game of FIFA, uh, myself or you? Well, uh, well, let's do it for the masses. Um, uh, I, I back myself to win it. I'd always back myself to win it. I've beaten high profile people such as um, Speed before. Um, mm. he's beat, I've beaten him at FIFA and uh, that Stokey George on FIFA uh, on EA. He, he, he's been beaten by Goldbridge at, at, EA, at FIFA. Um, half a million views my episode one had of that. Unbelievable. Yes, brilliant. Really good. I'm yeah, enjoying it. We'll have, to, we'll, have to, we'll have to get that game going. Um, love that. Right. That's all of the ones from the viewers. If you want to get in touch, make sure you follow the community tab on That's Football. And we're also working on something, whether it's going to be a Discord or like a broadcasting, just to get everyone together probably so we can work out how we can defeat VAR and bring it down going forward. But Mark, it's time for everyone's favourite game in the whole wide world. Um, have you got a player in mind? Can I guess it? It's Football Hangman. It is. I am ready to go. Just want to shout out everyone as well. Lots of people leaving comments on the Spotify. You can leave questions and uh, comments on there. We are publishing a lot of them. So thank you for your support. Keep downloading. And either this Friday or maybe next Friday, we could be downloading, uploading uh, a second part of Goldbridge Saves Football on a Friday. So keep your eye out for that. Something a little bit shorter, but something a little bit more topical as well, um, and with a game Sweet. element, with a game element to it as well. Right, I have got a player in mind. Okay. Football, football hangman then. He's got to guess it in 10 lives. Um, what's your first ask? Is he still playing? Yes. Is it Declan Rice? No. Does he play for a Champions League team in the Premier League? No. Is it... Uh, is it Nicholas Jackson? No. Does he play for... Um, does he play for a team in the Premier League? Yes. Is it... Uh, oh, God. This is where he started to get confused. Uh, I personally think oh, with this game, it. you shouldn't have to... You can guess each question if you want to, but you don't have to if you want to try and remember the things and okay. move through them quicker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm working... I'm trying to remember who's in the... Because you remember what you've said. Manchester City, Manchester United, Newcastle and Arsenal. So, Mohamed Salah. No. Um... So they're not in the Champions League. They're playing the Premier League. They're still playing. Yeah. 
Um, do are they a striker? No. Are they a, a midfielder? Yeah. So he's a midfielder it... playing in the Premier League. Yeah. Uh, not in the Champions League. I'm stressed. Um. Uh, are they in the top half of the Premier League currently? They'd like to be, but they're not. No. Um. Right. Okay. So that's someone from Chelsea then. No, I've got given a clue away too much. Um. Is it Caicedo? No. Oh, how many? Uh, what am I on here? Sorry. Uh, seven. You've had seven. You've got three left. About seven. Right, calm down. Um, midfielder Enzo Fernandez. No, two left. Oh my God! You, um, it's Chelsea midfielder N'Golo Kante. Don't oh, play for him anymore. Oh, Nine, one left. Um, is it? Conor Gallagher. Oh, he's done it. He's bloody well done it right yes. at the end. Conor Gallagher. I don't know why his name came into my head, but I was just thinking I haven't prepared for football hangman. The first player that came into my head was Conor Gallagher. And he's took it right yeah, to the line. It. It's a 10. He's got it on yeah. live 10. Some said he, some say he should have nine lives like a cat. We said 10 lives and therefore Will has became victorious in football hangman. Well done at home. I know a lot of people like playing this at home because it's very verbal and you can just play along, which is great, which, which, yeah. which ultimately is like a podcast. It's very verbal unless you're watching the clips. Yeah. Um, cracking to have you back, Will. Really enjoyed that show. Let's see if we've got a bonus show coming out on Friday. Uh, we might be able to sort that out. But if not, um, please do keep downloading it. Leave your reviews, your five-star likes. Tell people about it. Goldbridge Saves Football. Uh, really enjoyed the video today. And I think we did actually, Will, solve a few issues, actually. At least we're coming up with, uh, at least we're tackling the big issues and saying this, this, and this, and that. Yeah. I'm going to go away and work on an actual solution, how we can all come together and actually start banning VAR. So uh, stay tuned to that and stay tuned to the podcast. Follow us, drop us a five-star review. Um, and we'll be back very soon, won't we? You know what people could do? They could start protesting against VAR, find out where it is, and uh, basically, uh, I'm not saying like break in or anything like that, but somebody who's quite clever could figure out a way where we can just stop it being used. Um, I've not thought it yeah. through. I've not thought I mean, it through. Not thought no. it through. I've got but, an idea. I'll, I'll show you that. Is it legal? It's legal, yeah. Very legal. Good. Okay. Uh, thanks everyone for watching. Somebody could just... No, that would be illegal. I was going to say someone yeah, could just, just grab the VAR TV screen and run leave off with it. it, but don't do that. Don't do that. Thanks everyone for watching. Cracking show this week. Loved it. Goldbridge saves football. Tell your friends. Give it a listen. Hopefully you already have. Speak to you all next week. <laughs>